Hey, welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm Hope Cook, creator and host. If you feel stuck, restless, overwhelmed, or dissatisfied with your current life, despite your life looking pretty good on paper, or at least on social media, I can totally relate. Together, we'll figure out how to take the next right step. I'll interview women who are a little farther along on the path and get tips and ideas from them. I definitely don't have it figured out, so I'll share the ups and downs of my own journey with you. Let's get started because life is too short to waste in autopilot. If you want to be the best possible version of you, you're in the right place. Hey, y'all. How many of you can honestly say that your life is rolling along smoothly? Maybe it's your home life, maybe your business or your career. How many of you can honestly say like everything is really smooth? I've got all my ducks in a row. Everything is just lined up as it should be. And we really don't have any hiccups. Obviously, none of us. So one of the parts um, to moving forward on your journey, recharting your life, is going to be to identify and clear away obstacles that are in your path. And the obstacles could be big things like your income, or you need a new job, or your health, or maybe you think you need support from others. But one of the biggest obstacles may be your own home. Think about it. You spend at least half of your life within the walls of your house with the people that you call your family. During the pandemic, we all spent 24-7 at home, at least the first few weeks or months. Um, And if you live all by yourself, this has pros and cons. If you're all alone, then you're the CEO, the president, the vice president, the janitor, the accountant. You're all the things. But this means that you get 100% of the responsibility and you don't get any help unless you hire it. If you do have kids or a spouse, think of these people as part of your company. And my husband always says, I'm not your employee. That's not what I mean. I mean, think of like your family and your home as a business. And you're an employee just like everybody else. You're, You're getting something from the company. In this case, it's your kids. You get your kids, they're delightful. You also get, you know, a house to live in, food. So think about all the employees in your home. Are they pulling their weight? Do they know their roles in the family? And what would they have to say about the overall culture in your home? If my kids were part of my company, I would have fired them this weekend on the drive back from their grandmothers. They were bickering nonstop. They were mouthing off. They were unwilling to get the car unloaded. They were whiny, just meltdown city. Didn't want to do the laundry, help me get all the Sunday things done that have to be done before Monday when camp starts and new babysitter starts and all that kind of stuff. And just as I was thinking self-defeating thoughts like how my kids were spoiled and it was all my fault and they were ruined and they would never be self-sufficient, the words of psychologist John Roseman came back to me. This He is an old 
I don't know how old he is. But anyway, he's an old school child psychologist. Some of the things he says will rub you and me the wrong way. But my mom used to think that his books were like the Bible. And one of his is Making the Terrible Twos Terrific. But he also wrote um, kind of a Dear Abby type column and parents would write in and then he would respond and he's quite dry and funny. But one of the things he would say was to put the monkey on the kid's back. In other words, like don't work harder than the person you're trying to train or teach. So I actually looked this up because I wanted to get his words right. And um, in this in this Q&A, parents wrote in that their son, Bobby, was really smart and he's capable of doing good work in school when he wanted to, but he was just lazy and he was dawdling over his homework and um, just amotivated. So John Roseman says, as things stand, your son has no reason to change his ways. The emotional burden of the problem is being borne by you. In effect, this is your problem, not his. For him to solve the problem, and he is the only person who can solve it, it has to belong to him. It has to upset him, not you. You, therefore, need to take the monkey off your back and put it on his. If the monkey causes him enough discomfort and distress, he will figure out a way to tame the monkey. Isn't that brilliant? And we all know this. We all know that our kids are not bothered by the mess in their room. They're not bothered by the candy wrappers that they leave in the back of the car. There's no pain. They just, there's no reason to change their ways. So you have to put the monkey on their back. Um, And John Roseman calls this the agony principle. Adults should not agonize over anything a child does or fails to do if the child is perfectly capable of agonizing it over himself. In other words, the person who experiences the emotional consequences of a problem will be motivated to solve the problem. Okay, so this was on my mind and I was like, you know what? I have to put the monkey on the kid's back. If they're the ones who get crumbs all over the car, they're going to be the ones to use their allowance to pay for the car wash and get their butts out of the car and use the big vacuums to clean it. I didn't actually do this, but (laughs) in theory, that's what I would have done. Um, What really happened was I let the kids eat in the car. So my husband put the monkey on my back and said, okay, they can eat in the car, but you're going to have to go vacuum it out when we're done. So I thought that was kind of funny that, um, My thought was to put the monkey on their back, but his thought was to put the monkey on my back. So anyway, enough about monkeys. I had, I was thinking about this monkey thing and um, then I logged into my Zoom meeting with my mastermind group today. Amy is one of the ladies in the group and she is a genius at efficiency and optimization. She was in episode two, I think. I interviewed her in that one. So she helps businesses with their processes in order to bring efficiency and optimization to their organizations. So she'll do this for churches or businesses. And I didn't really understood what this meant until I watched her presentation. And my first thought was, dang, I need this in my life. And I don't even have a company. I meant I need this in my home. Let me explain. Okay, so Amy said one of the first things she does for a company or business, she looks at their core processes. If Jane or Sue doesn't show up for work, would the job get done? 
Moms, you know, if you're like down for the count with a stomach bug or you're out of town, 90% of the things don't get done. So how cool will it, would it be if there were processes in place to ensure that nothing skipped a beat? So I'm getting ready to go out of town Monday for two nights. Yay! By myself. It's a silent retreat. And normally I do all the like making Ollie's lunch. Make sure she has an EpiPen with her. Make sure laundry is done. Make sure the cat's fed. The litter is scooped. The groceries are ordered and picked up. And I've got all the ingredients I need for the week. But what is going to happen when I'm out? Well, things will fall apart. I mean, it won't fall apart disastrously, but my husband will pick up food from, you know, I don't know, a fast food place or best case scenario, maybe he gets food from Earth Fair. Um, maybe Ollie starves during lunch and she's having a meltdown, which would actually be kind of a good thing because then the next day they would both be more prepared. Anyway, the next thing Amy talked about was time management. Identifying what takes too much of your time and is there a way to automate it? So one of these, I got so tired of asking the kids during the pandemic, have you brushed your teeth? Have you brushed your teeth? Because they seem to do it better when they have school, but when they're home without that structure, they just would forget to brush their teeth. So in order to automate it, I had Alexa. I set our little Alexa thing to say every morning around 830 Children, have you brushed your teeth? Do it now. And she says it in such a nice voice. And then they have to turn her off so she won't repeat it. So that's an example of automating. Another thing is maybe um, recipes take all your time and mental energy. So you can have your groceries, you know, order the same thing every week. You can do the same meals in rotation. Just change out the source of protein or the grain. We do taco bowls one night, fish and veggies one night, a crock pot meal once a week, um, sushi once a week, etc. And I was talking to Dorothy Andrea. She's an entrepreneur. You can listen to her podcast. Um, it's a couple back from this one. And she talked about identifying a bottleneck in her spa. She owned a lot of spas. And bottlenecks are setbacks or obstacles that can slow or delay a process. And just like the neck of a, like a physical bottle will limit how quickly water or beer can pass through it, Process bottlenecks restrict the flow of time and energy in your business or your home or wherever we're talking about. And for Dorothy, back in the 90s, she noticed a huge bottleneck in the two weeks before Christmas when all the men would stop by her spa to buy gift certificates for their wives or girlfriends. Business in the spa would like grind to a halt. She said all of her employees would have to handle these gift certificate transactions. So she hired some tech guys, and she knew there had to be a way to put the gift certificates online and let people buy them, print them out, they'd have a barcode, and then they could gift the gift certificates to whoever without having to come in the spa and tie up her employees. And then we talked about how bottlenecks are in our homes. So Dorothy said that one of the bottlenecks in her home was around laundry. She said if her kids didn't have clean clothes, just wasted a lot of time, a lot of energy. She was a single mom, a business owner. She did not have time to do laundry every day. So she did two things. She bought more socks and underwear and she taught her sons to do the laundry, which freed up the bottleneck. So one of our bottlenecks is evenings. 
So it's can be chaotic. The kids don't want to come inside and play and come inside from playing. And then they're hungry, even though we've already had supper. They don't want to take their baths. So I started telling the kids, you have one hour to bathe and get ready for bed. So we call them in at seven. At eight, I'm going upstairs and it's my time. So if they can quickly get their act together, get their bath, then they have quality time with us. And believe it or not, this is still like a treat to them. Um, I know it won't be for long, but right now they still want one of us to like read or talk to them. And so that kind of puts the monkey on their back. Another thing that Amy talked about was planning and ownership. So like in a company, it would be a layout of who does what. Who's in charge of what? In your home, which task belong to which people? Is it clearly defined? Like, I always do the groceries. Dad's job is the yard, and it's not saying you can't switch it up. But do the kids know what's expected of them? Or do they assume that you'll, I mean, do you assume that they'll look at the crumbs under their kitchen chair and think, oh, I made a mess. I better grab that broom and sweep up. No, they do not. I can tell you that. So I tried this with my daughter. She eats with her knees up, like sitting with her knees in front of her. So she spills food everywhere. She gets syrup in her hair. She has stains on her clothes. And she's not two. She's nine. So now I just point to the broom and say, clean up. And so she knows she has to do that. I'd still like to take me totally out of the picture, but I'm working on that. I'd also like to automate unloading the dishwasher. My husband's the only one who doesn't ignore the clean dishes. The rest of us will like use the same bowl, rinse it out, keep using it just so we don't have to clean out the dishwasher. Um, The last one, I think this is the last one. Amy was asking about, um, she was talking about secret shoppers at like Chick-fil-A or Disney World. And, you know, if we, if you were a secret, if you had a secret shopper, come stay in your house like let's say it's a foreign exchange student and he or she comes and lives with your family for six months so they really get to experience what life is like in your household what would be their experience because it's easy to start normalizing yelling you know from upstairs to downstairs it's easy to normalize when you finish when you finish doing the laundry to have the clean clothes like piled up on the floor for six days Um, What about during meals? Has it become normal to either not eat together or to have people reading a book or on their phone while they're eating? And you may not even realize this, this is going on. I had an aha a couple of years ago that I was cooking three different meals and I didn't realize it. You know, you just kind of slip into these habits because one kid is like, you know, I don't eat meat, even though she'll eat school hot dogs. But Anyway, my mom was visiting and she's like, what are you doing? Did you seriously fix three different meals? And so I didn't even realize I was doing it. Um, another example of something I didn't realize I was doing until I had a somebody pointed out was I kind of stressed my kids out by stacking chores. Like I would bark out, pick up your socks. Okay, wash your hands, set the table, grab a glass. Like I would throw out five things at one time. So I've tried to back off and just do one thing at a time and put the monkey on their back. So instead of saying like, grab your fork, grab a glass. I mean, they're old enough. They know that if they want to eat, they're going to have to have a fork. So they go get their own fork. If they're thirsty, they'll grab a glass. If they're not, they won't. 
So what's the user experience or culture like in your home? If you had to pick one word to describe your home, what would it be? And what do you wish that word was? So that's just some food for thought. Um, shoot me a DM. Let me know how you run your household. And if you'd like to check out my free ebook, Guide to Hacking the Life Machine, go over to my website and give me your email and I'll send it to you. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll start up season two in probably early to mid-August. So if you have someone you think would be a great candidate to appear on my podcast, let me know or send them my email at hope.cook at gmail.com. Thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast, Recharting Your Life with Hope. Everything I discuss in this show reflects my own views and opinions and not those of my employer. Although I'm a physician assistant in my real life, any advice or tips you hear on this show should not be used as medical advice. If you like what you hear, come on over to HopeThePA.com or follow me on Instagram at HopeThePA.com.